So the last two, I'll just take off the... The last two can just be thrown onto the heap. No! I did it! Okay. We need those two to get to where we are now. <laughs> Alright, so my last one, I'm not actually going to share any details because it is something I've written. I've been I've been trying to write out. But it 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 it's a question that I think uh, is something we can talk about and actually leads me to something that we've been or at least I've been texting about and would like to get uh, a, a little more in depth on especially from you Rob since you've stayed silent mostly in the text messages <laughs> so my last story is is a short story I've been working on and it's about suicide and it's not the band <laughs> yeah right okay. it's about the Frankie teardrop challenge <laughs> yes. um it's about suicide right and it's not like super serious in any way oh of course but i'm not trying to like be like irreverent irreverent mm -hmm. um is is it is there some things that you just should not joke about or some things that like 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 i i, I don't know really how to write something i'm just just doing stuff should i not be tackling something as sort of serious and uh important and uh something that i am not very uh experienced with as suicide kind of like the same idea that we had with some of the with or at least i had with the david gordon green movie about child death uh -huh. right because it's kind of like he never he doesn't have any kids at least snow angels snow angels when he made the movie and the whole thing is kind of about how this death of a child affects somebody. And it just, it bothered me a little bit. But it's kind of like the same thing with, that's going on right now with the PewDiePie stuff. Where it's like he's making Hol or, uh, Hitler jokes. And people are kind of saying he shouldn't be just doing that on principle, I guess. Yeah, I'll let, I'll let Rob go at this one. Okay, so I'm having a, a different... A uh, difficult time drawing the line between suicide and Hitler jokes. Um, so you want to write a story about a suicide? So I'm I'm working on a story about a guy who may or may not have seriously tried to commit suicide. And your question is: Is suicide as taboo as Hitler jokes? Yeah, more or less. And, okay. and, and, I think and there's should a... I be, and, and am I allowed to, should I even be trying to explore that as someone who doesn't have a lot of experience exploring anything, you know, <laughs> uh, in a written, in a written sense, you know what I mean? Why, why not? Why stay away from it? Why? Well, I, I, that's, I mean, that's, that's my question because it seems to me, it seems like some of the stuff with the PewDiePie stuff, it seems to me like people are saying like, you shouldn't even be. Um, referencing this stuff even as, even as a joke because you don't realize you don't understand what you're referencing. PewDiePie's from Iceland, is that right? Uh, yeah, he's from Swedish. a Nordic. He's from a Nordic country. Okay, yeah. they learn about things differently there than we do here, and that's not to give him an excuse to to make these jokes, but he didn't grow up with what we grew up with. Mm -hmm. You know, with it being with them being absolute, 
you know, the, the enemies, the, you know, the worst all the time. Like, so my understanding is that in those countries, they learn about history differently than we learn about it. Like it, it less, there's not a lot of gray area with the Nazis, right? Right. <laughs> but, but when you're talking about Japanese culture and they use, you know, Nazi symbolism a lot, perhaps because they were on, you know, the Nazi side in that war, mm-hmm. I, they, they learn about it differently. So is that an excuse for him to do what he did? No. But on the other hand, is there a time and a place for Nazi jokes? You know, sometimes, sure. There, I think there's a... I think there's room for to laugh about some of that stuff because it's so over the top, insane and terrible. Um, And man, I don't want that to be taken out of context and twisted around, but I think, I think that there, I'm really conflicted on the whole Fiverr situation where he had the two gentlemen hold up the sign that said death to all Jews, right? Mm -hmm. The whole point he says afterwards is that he can get people to do anything for five bucks. Right. Right. Or like specifically anything, which is kind of funny and, and strange and weird. And I get where he's going. But then when you learn that the, the two gentlemen that held the signs up, they lost their jobs because of it. Mm-hmm. That's where it's like, whoa, you know, maybe that went too far. Well, they lost their jobs on Fiverr. They were no longer okay. allowed to. Yeah. They were no longer allowed to like use Fiverr to, to get to provide any services. I thought I read that it went further. Um, oh, I'm my not sure. understanding was that they actually lost their jobs because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if my company saw me holding a sign that said death to all the Jews, right. I would probably lose my job, but I wouldn't have held that sign up, you know, for five right. Bucks. There's also <laughs> a, a bit of responsibility on the people who are agreeing to do it for $5. Right. They, they said they didn't understand what it said. Right. You know, it's it's a little weird, it's a little shady. Um and you also have this sort of appearance of a super rich guy paying super poor people five dollars to do this, right? Like the five dollars right. to him means nothing, to them it means a lot. I think I think for me that the issue is always in the execution. I mean, it's the same issue with rape jokes, right? Like my huge, one of my biggest issues with uh, Tosh.0 when he did his whole kind of like freak out on that lady uh, and wished that she was heckling him, right? And he wished that she would get raped. Mm-hmm. Is that it was, stu- it was stupid. It was, it was obviously said out of pure emotion and with no kind of thought uh an intention behind it other than he wanted to hurt her in that moment yeah you know and so for me like <clears throat> have you heard of a movie called risk cutters a true love story heard of it yes seen it no yeah i mean that's that that's basically a a love story about people who commit suicide now they're mm-hmm. in some kind of like afterlife place right and you know for me i was like well that's a tasteless you know kind of setting and I watched the movie and it actually kind of, it's not good, but justified itself as a, as a premise, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think it, to me, it's about your execution more than anything. And for PewDiePie, I mean, he basically did the first thing that came to his mind, which 
you can see and justify in terms of like, I'm going to make them, uh, you know, hold up this horrible thing for $5. Right. He's trying to make them hold yeah, up in, the worst possible yeah. thing somebody could hold up. But for $5. instead, it's like PewDiePie, maybe like lampoon the fact that you're a millionaire and that you have the ability to just throw $5 away on anything. Mm-hmm. Like it might have been funnier for him to like, Pay them $5 to literally do nothing and just be like, I want you to sit there and do nothing for me for however long five mi- $5 buys you, you know? Mm. And maybe see but that's how long not that going to get those clicks. You know, well, no, but I mean, that's the thing is it's like, for, for me, it's like, I've got so much money that I, I, I can make you sit there for however long because I don't care. Like what if you had to pay them $50 to sit there for five hours doing nothing mm-hmm. i mean that to me is like a true show of like power and a commentary on like privilege is like i'm i i don't know to me that is that is more interesting in terms of saying something than just having them hold up an offensive sign i mean that's that's juvenile that's stupid so it's I like don't know if that's i'm more offended what by that. he was going for i think he wanted definitely to have something absurdist happen and have it be said and say hey i can give you give you know strangers on the internet five dollars to do this terrible why thing why have him like break up with their girlfriend but he also he needed the clicks i mean that's what it's all about yeah, I, I don't the know I just get, get a little more creative with it you know what i mean like offensive signs is uh is so first grade PewDiePie. I mean, so I want to I want to take it back to something, Keith. You you had mentioned the rape joke, and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, is there ever a time that a rape joke could be funny? And if not, is that something like Justin suggested that maybe should be off limits? Like maybe we shouldn't. Is is that a line? No, no, I, I, well, I'll throw my answer and I'm interested to hear, uh, Justin's, but, um, I, I think I've heard a funny rape joke. Um, Sarah Silverman actually has, uh, a funny rape joke when this whole thing kicked off. Um, that was her kind of, you know, uh, um, that those are kind of olive branch to Tosh.0 is to say, you know, her funny uh, rape joke, which is all about a, um, a child going out into the woods, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's an old standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that, yeah, like, especially in the way that she tells it, it's like, yeah, I can see the humor in that. But again, to me, it's context. It's, it, it has a lot of other things. Like our culture does not do well with nuance. We don't do well. I don't think people as a, we as a species do well with nuance. You know, it takes too much effort to understand like context and, uh, and think through your initial emotional response to something. But I think in all those things, it's about like, well, what's the kind like, uh, Lolita. Lolita is a extremely offensive book that I really like because I I can approach it from a context that makes that narrative make sense. But it is a story of a sexual predator who has sex with an underage girl. Mm -hmm. Is it also part of America's hang up where women can tell rape jokes, Jews can tell Jew jokes, blacks can tell black jokes. Is it that type of thing? 
because I noticed you immediately went to Sarah Silverman as opposed to, I don't know, I don't know that Robin Williams did rape jokes. Let's like Sam Kinison or um, Louis C.K. has a Andrew Dice Clay yeah. or something. Although, given the accusations against Louis C.K., <laughs> yeah, be a little. <laughs> Yeah, unsettling. Yeah, that. Yeah, that. Honestly, that's why I didn't go to him. I, I honestly, I went to Silver Sarah Silverman because that was the only one that came to my mind when I thought of a funny rape mm-hmm. joke that I could reference. Other mm-hmm. than yeah, like Louis C.K., that definitely brings some baggage in a whole nother conversation. Um, but no, no, I, I don't, I don't think that that's true in our society. I think that that is a a sociological myth that 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 more speaks to people's emotion around when something happens because normally those are the people that abuse those things um those who are not in those cultures right but it doesn't mean that just because you have outrage because you know this um white guy uh has offended black people it doesn't mean that oh whites are so put down and their free speech is impinged on it's like no that we are the ones who do most of the offending though so mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you can you can maybe get upset uh at at that stuff happening but to say that that is something that's like a taboo of our, of our society i definitely don't don't buy i don't know what you think Justin. yeah i think anything can be funny it, it just is a matter of you know and and i think i feel like it's a more difficult answer than just saying some things are off limits, right? Because it's because all of a sudden it gets very subjective, and like I can watch all of that PewDiePie stuff, and I don't have an issue with any of it. None of it bothers me. I mean, I think you can argue whether or not it's funny or whether or not it's it's not uh-huh. right. Sure. I mean, I mean, I agree. I don't think it's funny, right? Or whether or not it's like uh, really delivering the point he wants to make, but. I didn't find any of it offensive and I certainly don't think any of it was, uh, you know, reinforcing Nazi stereotypes or whatever. But I think given the comedian or whoever, and given the circumstance, anything can be funny. I don't think there's, I don't, I don't think there's anything off limits. Now, certainly someone could be like, and I think a lot of that too, it, it becomes very personal, right? Like, I could have a very personal experience that has happened to me that somebody who's never met me, a comedian who's never met me could make a joke about. And I could be like, you know, like, like I can be made uncomfortable by like a, a, redhead a, jokes. Sure. Redheaded jokes. The, <laughs> the things that the thing that makes me uncomfortable are cancer jokes, right? Like my dad died of cancer. That's a very personal thing to me, but I'm not going to argue that nobody should be able to make cancer jokes. You know what I mean? Like, I certainly I don't really find them funny because I've had a very terrible experience with it. But I don't think that that means nobody can joke about cancer, even though it is a very terrible disease. You know what I mean? Like. Like, like. uh, One of the things I thought about was like like pedophilia jokes, right? Like like that's a that's a horrible, terrible thing that actually exists exists in the world. And I've been listening to Comedy Bang Bang a lot. And occasionally someone out of nowhere will start making pedophilia jokes. And uh, I've started to realize that slowly the the joke is, I I think the joke is less about the actual pedophilia, right? And it's more about how uncomfortable it makes the host, Scott Ackerman. 
And every single time it comes up, you can hear him get audibly uncomfortable. And right. then all of a sudden to me, like this horrible thing that I would never joke about is funny because of the reaction that somebody else has to it. You know what I mean? And, and so it's like, I mean, in theory, I think you could say, yeah, nobody should be making pedophilia jokes because it's a pretty, it's a, it's a terrible thing. But I think given the right circumstances, anything can be funny. Right. Yeah. And it's about risk and boundaries. I right. think yeah, anything can be funny and anything can be offensive. I mean, yeah, yeah I could say so- a Jew could say something offensive to Jews. I could say something offensive to white middle aged men. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, uh, uh, but but again, I think like what is what is the reason that you're saying it and is it worth saying, you know, and uh, I think if you can answer those things, then you can probably stand up to scrutiny, you know, and PewDiePie can defend what he did. Right. The problem is, is that it wasn't thought out well and he sounds stupid. He sounds ignorant. Right. And saying like, well, I just wanted to comment on, you know, like what I could get people to do for five. It's like, okay, get him to do something other than death to all Jews. You know? Well, Yeah. I think the problem with that is that it's kind of like, you know, yeah, no shit. You can get people to do anything for five dollars because not everyone is a multimillionaire. Like, well, I guess I wouldn't do anything for five dollars. But like, like, it's not a surprise that you can get somebody in a third world country to do something for five dollars, right? That's not like, I don't know if there's, I mean, I, I understand the point he's trying to make, but I don't think it, it, I don't think it, it warrants anything more than a passing comment like it's kind of crazy that people do anything for five dollars you know what i mean yeah i think he should have done another he he could have done a million other things than he did and the fact that he chose that one just shows immaturity i think i think i i would support any you know kind of uh, uh sponsor's right to pull out for any reason if they don't agree with what somebody decides to do with their that, 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 that's the other thing to all this is mm-hmm. like he's getting stuff pulled for it's like okay he he's the one who with this platform decided to make an offensive joke you know with mm-hmm. it and go for the lowest common denominator and then they respond so i mean i don't i guess i don't even see what i i see both sides and then i also don't see any issue at all the guy's still a millionaire yeah Uh, the other aspect of the PewDiePie stuff that I want to ask you guys about was something that came up at the very end of the Wall Street Journal video that they did. I didn't and, watch that. Okay. So, uh, and it's something that has resonated throughout these other tech slash video game articles that are quote unquote attacking PewDiePie. Um, so at the end, they show that the website stormfront is that what it's called the like white supremacist website has started linking to his videos where that imagery is used and so they're basically using that as an argument to say look at what he's supporting he's now giving these people a voice or whatever and using that to sort of reinforce the idea that he's a White supremacist. White supremacist, Nazi uh-huh. sympathizer, blah, blah, blah. Even though he has, you know, come out and said, like, I don't <clears throat> support any of that whatsoever. 
So do you I think read, that is a legitimate concern? I read an article. Um, I had like no opinion on this PewDiePie situation. Yeah. <laughs> until, until you brought it up. I mean, it's PewDiePie, right? I don't right. watch him. I, I just, I don't like him. I don't dislike him. It just nothing. Right. Yeah. But I did read something that came out today. I was, um, at the doctor's office and it was the first time that he was out of character and he was, he made a statement like after all these, these videos and stuff. And originally when he first came out, there was no apologies, right? It was, Hey, I did this thing and I don't support, you know, hatred and all this stuff. You know, right. just like whatever. But then he was forced to come out of character and say some other things, um, which we don't need to cover, but there was a, the article that I read and I, Perhaps I can try and find it, link it, whatever. Um, there was a Kurt Vonnegut quote in there, and it was, um, be careful who you pretend to be because that's who you could become. Mm. Oh, man, it's, I'm terrible at quoting people. It's, <laughs> that's basically is like, if you're, if you're pretending to be this thing, you know, be careful because you might end up being that thing. Right. So that brings up like the stormfront stuff and 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 those websites and i think they have such like a small impact in, in like on real life and on reality and if you know there are skinheads somewhere and they're having fun linking videos because they you know because the PewDiePie is saying these things i don't think that that's having like a grand effect and people are saying oh my goodness you know now now I like PewDiePie more because he doesn't like the Jews me because all you have to do is watch it and see for me and see that he does like, that's not really what he's saying. He's just making stupid jokes. Right. But be careful what you wish for, I guess, you know, it's like it's with the Trump stuff, you know, he says these things and then someone agrees with him, and then he like, he retweets it right without paying attention right. to who it is. And it happens to be David Duke. And you're like, well, maybe maybe you should know who David Duke is and you shouldn't uh -huh. press the retweet button or whatever. Just crazy. Yeah, I think with the Trump stuff specifically, it got it got, you know, it got so much attention because he at first refused to, uh, you know, uh, acknowledge I, who did the um, David Donald Duke. Right. Donald he, Duck. He, what? <laughs> <laughs> he just refused to, uh, you know, uh, sort of condemn their support. You know what I mean? Like he refused yeah, to yeah, be okay. like, yeah. Whereas I, he I just, wanted both sides. Right. He wanted exactly. those votes. I mean, it, it's a game. I just feel like it's not fair for anybody to for for the media or for somebody to be like, well, these people are now using your stuff, so so uh, you are responsible for their message. You know what I mean? Like like that Stormfront website can grab anybody's words and put it on their website, and then all yeah. of a sudden, like that person is a Stormfront supporter. You know what I mean? Like is is linked to Stormfront forever? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, just yeah, that's is bad stuff. that's just absurd. I feel like what is that uh, appropriation or something? <laughs> yeah, isn't there a word for that? Yeah, yeah terrible, terrible stuff. Um. What what's her name? Conway, whatever. Conway, the one that oh, everybody Kelly dislikes. Conway. Yeah, she like she said like somebody said something nice said said something nice to her, and she said, "Oh, thanks," you know. And then it got to be a big deal because she said thanks to this guy, and then apparently this guy was you know uh, like a national white nationalist or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if I had more than 14 followers on Twitter, I, I wouldn't check on, you know, every little 
every person that would send me something. Sure. I'm not trying to defend her, but it's just like some of it's weird and blown way out of proportion. And I, I absolutely agree with you that they can just take your stuff. And then once they take it, you're like you're in that mindset that um like you're linked with them. Yeah. Yeah. Like Pepe the frog. That poor frog. <laughs> yeah. Because didn't the person who originally um drew the frog like condemn all that stuff, but they they still use it, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. He and he's tried to get Pepe yeah, back. Yeah. Pepe is lost forever. Oh, yeah. They're yeah, not getting that back. Yeah. He's 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 gone. All right. So, did you answer the question that yes, you can write about suicide even though you have not committed suicide? Right. I just think it's and I just think it's for some reason it's it's something that I've always thought about. This idea of can you explore something creatively if you have not experienced, which I think the strongest argument is like that might be the best way to try and experience it is yeah. to explore it creatively. You know yeah. what I mean? But at the same time, I feel like with stuff like suicide or even like, you know, like, uh, I guess it's also in how you present it. Like, is it, is his name James Fry, the uh-huh. Oprah author, uh-huh. right? Like if he had presented that quote unquote autobiography as fiction, would people be as upset about it? Well, I mean, I don't think they would have gotten the notoriety that it well, did exactly, because people yeah. can, you know, so I think that was the point. But I, I would say, like, do it with a with a spirit of curiosity, you know, do it with a with a sense of of understanding of the of the situations and the in the pitfalls, but absolutely do it. You know, what I mean, I think that's the that's the thing. And uh, and know that if you do something questionable, people will come after you. But again, if you've answered it in your mind mm-hmm. and you've thought about it and you feel justified, then your answers are going to, you know, hold up or you're going to realize that you're a complete, you know, prick and and it will be revealed <laughs> when people are like, why did you do this? You have no, why would you put this line in there? And you're like, uh, I thought it'd be funny. Right. You know what I mean? So, uh, to me, to me, that's it. But absolutely, yeah, write what you want, and and that's why I feel like when people like try and, and ask a or get like a like an answer, like the, draw a line in the sand. Is rape jokes are they okay? Are they not? It's like mm. yeah and no, yes and no, right? Yeah. But I mean, like when going back to the Tosh Point O stuff, it, I got pissed off by both sides because I'm sitting there like so many comedians were rushing out to to like save him. I wanted to be like, it was a crappy joke, guys. Like, that's the truly offensive. You don't need to save him from that. That was a really dumb thing that he said in the spirit that he said it, you know? And it's okay, but I think people rush to defend their sides, you know what I mean? And you're just like, no, it was a, I'm more offended that he spoke that out of anger than I am that it, it was a quote-unquote rape joke, when really, mm-hmm. it wasn't a joke. He was pissed, and he wanted, to, he wanted to hurt, yeah. He threw a tantrum and he wanted to hurt her. If you wanted something like maybe with no malicious intent, if you think about the Gilbert Gottfried situation, when there was there was the um, what the the floods in um, in Asia, and then he made that joke, right? And then you know he lost his job as the Affleck duck, and yeah. that, like, and he hasn't been around since. You know, he's kind of like under the radar and stuff. 
I don't think there was any malicious intent. I think he he wanted to tell a dirty, nasty joke, and that's kind of his thing. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, as opposed to the Tosh situation where he was trying to specifically, you know, you know, hurt that woman, uh, maybe not physically, but, you know, like, mentally, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, kind of like, because like, he can't fight her, right? right? He can't fight her on stage, but he right. can he can say these terrible, awful things. Yeah. The, the other situation is he's just trying to tell a dirty joke. And it's like, ah, it's a crazy Slender Man or, or beware, beware the, the Slender Man. Beware the Slender Man. Okay. So Rob, this was your suggestion. Yes. Um and so did did uh did uh Dale and Guy not watch it or they're just not interested or Dale is afraid of watching it. Right, that's right. So he did. He refused to watch it be, okay. be, because he's a he's a father, or because he, he he does not like kind of those urban mythologies. And... The three of us, Dale Guy and I, played the Slenderman game on Xbox One, and it is very very frightening. Have you guys played it at all? No. No. Have you watched any walkthroughs? The only thing I knew of Slenderman before the documentary, I mean, I basically knew the mythology of it. I, I knew that it was this uh, Slenderman thing created by a guy for some internet contest, and that was it. I didn't even know that. I knew that he was a creepy dude on this scary game that some YouTubers would play, and I, I want to say PewDiePie at some I'm time. I'm sure he did, yeah. I think this may have been that one that made him famous yeah. because it was he was playing some scary game and screaming like a little kid, right? And and it went bananas. So we played this game in the middle of the night, and it's first person, and you can't look at him because if you look at him, he gets you. Right. So when you see him, you have to look away, um, and you have to find these pages and walk around in the dark, and you have a flashlight, and it's it's super scary, especially in the dark. Um, especially when you're a lightweight like me, when it comes to scary games, super scary. Um, did I finish the game? Hell no, but (laughs) that's what I knew of it. And then I, I saw that there was this documentary and I did at some point after that, learn about the case, learn about, you know, that there was a murder and it, they, they were doing it for slender man to like get in his good graces or whatever. So I thought this was going to explore all of Slenderman and all of the case. And that's not really what we got. Yeah. So I don't think any of us liked it really. I think I was probably the most positive about anybody. With that being said, I didn't think it was a great documentary. I also watched it in two parts. So we watched like half of it went to bed and then finished the other half the night after. Um, but I did think it did a decent job of presenting some themes, uh, and maybe exploring them a little bit. 
at least enough that I had thought about it. And I was thinking about um, these ideas of, you know, how, how much uh, do you know about your child's life, how much they're, or what they're watching, what they're really being influenced by, the conversations they're having, how much do you control, try and control that stuff like that. Um, Before we get into that, can we talk about just the, the background for just a second? Yeah. Were you guys aware of creepypasta as a thing? I was vaguely. not. Yeah, I, I'll say vaguely, but I, I'd never, it's not anything I'd ever explored. Right. Is creepypasta like today's Rotten.com? Do you guys know Rotten.com from yes, the... Yes, I do, because my older brother showed, my older half-brother showed it to me. Okay, when the internet was young. Right. That's where you went to see gross things. Yeah. And just by word of mouth, somehow everybody figured it out. I wonder if if kids today go to creepypasta and they kind of like, cause I know I, I looked at it a little bit before we started recording submissions are open. So if I, if I wanted to write a slender man story, I could stick it on here right. and that becomes part of the mythology or something. I don't, I don't really, you could do a it. blizzard in a go. circus uh, yeah, right slender there. man yes. in the eighties, in the eighties, some stranger things esque yes. references. Spielberg. Uh, I, I mean, re- really quick. I don't want to. I don't want to undercut everything. But you know, the this attempted murder, right? The the stabbing mm-hmm. of the friend who survived, and these two girls. Like it, it, it comes down to mental illness, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, that that's the that's one of the that's one of the things that gets me is like you know you're like. How much do you know your child's life and, right. and all that also, stuff? Also, we're like what fourteen years old. Yeah, but I mean, she. So one of the the, the girl that did the stabbing, I would say she's was diagnosed. Right. Yeah. She she's she diagnosed, she was diagnosed. Right. The other one was said that she has delusion. She 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 suffers delusions. Right. I mean, I feel like you'd almost have to say yes by default just because they did this, right? If they hadn't have done it, maybe it's it's more debatable. Yeah, but I, I guess my thing is, it's like, like how Rob set it up. You hear something about it, and it's the it's the shortened narrative, and you you immediately are struck by fear of like, what's gonna happen to my child and all this stuff. And then you look into it, and you realize that like, this girl came from a from a family of mental illness, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that that is probably more to blame for why she did what she did. And then she fixated on Slenderman, but she would have fixated on a number of things. It's it's the whole argument against why violent video games and horror movies don't breed well, violence. I'm glad you that's something I want to talk about. And we can get into that later if you want to, but the other girl didn't come by all accounts, at least in the documentary, her her um her household was completely was quote unquote normal. Right. She she also didn't have friends. So she finally makes some friends. Right. She goes like they, they talk about this creepy stuff. They, they have a plan. They, they talk about this stuff. I was, I've been a kid. (laughs) Duh. Um, You talk about stupid things and you just don't go through with it. Not, not that I talked about stabbing my friend or whatever, but you talk about dumb things like 
um, running away and sleeping in the Hollywood sign. That is something that a friend and I planned. And of mm. course we never did it, you know, because I, I, because we're, I, I don't want to say sane, but huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to go there, right? but you, you just don't do it. And there was a follower and then there was someone that had some, had a mental illness and they both got together and they made this plan and they started talking and then it seemed like the one wanted to stop, but then the other one just did it because, because she's that she had something there. And the part of my problem with the, with the show was that they didn't go into that just quite enough. They didn't, they like barely glossed over the mental illness part, especially the diagnosis and that type of stuff. Like it's, she's been, you know, in jail for what, two years now. And you would think that there would be more of that. So we didn't get to see any of that in this documentary. And that's like missing. It's like, it's, we've only seen half. We haven't seen the case. I mean, I'm sure the case is going to be open and shut, but we see this big like buildup and why they did it. And then they kind of like do this ham fisted, you know, do you know what your children's looking at kind of thing? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't talk about the important things. Yeah, I, I agree that, I mean, I thought about those things later, but yeah, they definitely don't do a good job of, uh, exploring anything. Yeah. Like yeah. I, said, I think it gets brought up, but it, it's all surface level stuff. A, a lot of things get brought up. I, I think the other thing too is you, you have these people like on the text, it's like, here's the mom. Oh, by the way, this is two months after the stabbing. It's like. Well, what kind of perspective is she bringing to this too? Like, why? What are you getting out of her other than a an initial immediate reaction, or somebody who's trying to maybe hope that this will cast that, that this will help her child later on, right? Like, I I feel uneasy with the ethics of just what are they hoping to get out of these people mm-hmm. that they say or reveal. I mean. You also get this dad who's like, I don't like iPads now and I'm against iPads and stuff. It's like, well, yeah, well, what else is he supposed to be saying at that moment or feeling at that moment? But is his commentary on iPads are bad? Is that like, is, is that the level of conversation that's worth like progressing on this? Or is it like, this is what he was saying a few months after the stabbing and we were there with a camera in his face to catch him mm-hmm. saying it? I mean. It's not like he's saying these carefully thought out articulated positions and they don't even go further to explore or help him in it to say like, oh, and we pulled this psychiatrist who's going to talk to us about it. It's like, nope, here's this guy. He said this thing. What do you all think? It, it, uh, and I'm like, well, what do I think? I don't think that that's a, that's a well thought out comment from that man. And I sympathize with what he's going through, but beyond that why why are you even including that in your documentary like what what are you saying i don't understand what you're saying and it it also like by saying beware the slender man you're bearing the lead it's not really about like they're also building and perpetuating this mythology that then they seek to strike down in the documentary's title and how it's presented i mean look at the cover of all of its stuff right it's all like Slenderman, creepy image of Slenderman, right? But it's it's all really just about this poor, mentally ill girl, potentially, you know, mentally ill, at least delusional girl, 
who were way too young to be involved in this heinous act that they were, barely understand what happened themselves. And here's a documentary where we're going to like smush it all together, stoke some fires of fear, and end up not really saying anything. And like Rob said, leave the main part of mental illness for a, for a title at the very end. It's just like, this girl is taking, is willingly taking anti-hallucinogenics um, or, you know, now, and, and anti-psychotic medicine. Mm. It's like, oh, okay, so that's, that's worthy of a sentence that you just typed across the screen? I mean, I found the whole thing, like, way too soon with no kind of perspective and maybe some people who got um, a little too... Uh, trigger happy with their footage and they probably needed to wait for this whole thing to be resolved maybe wait a few years and then actually have a thesis statement actually allow people to present themselves fully and not a few months after stabbing what what are you feeling in this moment type of stuff you know there's also something icky about you know watching these children there are no parents around, you know, they're just sitting in these rooms with like, with a, a an investigator detective, or something yeah. detective and j- just watching them over and over and over again. Um, you know, without the, without the parents being present, that was very strange. Um, and, and you're right. They spent more time on the father condemning iPads than on actually looking into what really went wrong. Um, or maybe that wasn't their their goal is to talk about what went went wrong, but but then I I have a hard time finding out like figuring out what their goal was. Yeah, when they made it. Yep. Okay, I wanted to talk about what you brought up, Keith, um, which is this long running idea that. Violent video games cause kids to be violent. Violent movies cause kids to be violent. Um, and I'm not sure where I fall on the argument because I feel like... Says the guy writing a short story about suicide. <laughs> <laughs> well... Just kidding. Um, but I feel like movies... And music and books are constantly attributed or are given this such high praise as being like life changing, right? In a positive sense. Why can that not be true in a negative sense? Like if a video game can give me hope for the world that I live in, can it not also make me angry at the world I live in? Like, I feel like if one is true, then the other has to be true. So it just doesn't make sense to me to completely write off this idea that violent video games make our kids violent, but that can't be true. But what is true is that they teach our children problem solving skills and they, you know, teach our, you know, kids, you know, all these different skills, but they can't make them be more violent. Right, because that would back, be bad. It goes back to the the child itself following through or not following through. Right, and and I'm not and I'm not trying to suggest that it, it's a one to one scenario. Right, I'm not trying to suggest that 
okay, you can say, obviously these girls did this, 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 uh, this, uh, this crime for a multitude of reasons. It's not just because of the Slender Man, but the Slender Man obviously played a role in that, right? Just like you can say, okay, maybe this kid who has um, aggression, aggression issues towards his peers or whatever, I'm not going to blame that solely on the fact that he only plays Call of Duty online, but I, I would argue that it is a factor toward in his aggression. I think those kids are going to find it one way or another whether they're going to find it by reading like catch two, two or, um, or, or something similar, similarly violent or get into either death metal music or, you know, some of the, I don't know, gangster rap music. I'm just trying to like, look for extreme musics, mm-hmm. extreme types of music, or maybe he's going to watch, I don't know, but Scarface or something. I, I or horror movies or, or video games. I think they're, they're going to find something and, and it doesn't matter whether it's a book or it's a, or if it's a movie or if it's, you know, a video game, I think the kids that break, I don't know that it's necessarily one thing or if they're just going to break anyway. Well, I think, I think for, for Justin and, and we might disagree on this, Justin. I don't know. Maybe Rob, you and I will too, but, but I feel like part of the part of the, the the question goes back to your views on human nature, right? Where does human nature bend towards that which is good, or does it bend towards that which is evil? And I think part of it is that it is much easier to persuade people towards the right thing than it is towards. Not just believing the wrong thing, but actually physically doing violence or harm to somebody else, right? Like that threshold of behavior is harder to overcome minus a mental illness, right? Than it is to get somebody to like be kind to somebody. And that you could point to like the general messaging of our society or whatever. But I would argue that for the person that doesn't just drift into poor thinking, but actually into violent action, that there are always other factors that are impacting them. And whether that is neglect, whether that is abuse, whether that is mental illness, or whether that is a number of other factors, right? Like just like with the Slender Man, it's never as simple to tie behavior to one issue and say, because of Slender Man, this happened. It's the same thing with like religion, right? That is much easier if we look at Islam to say like, it is much easier for Islam to encourage positive behavior than it is for Islam to encourage not just negative thought, but actual violence towards other people, which is why people will refer to it as radical, right? Same thing with Christianity. You look at the history of Christianity, I feel fairly confident that I can say, any violent action carried out in the name of Christianity is a is is not Christianity, right? Like that is proof of poor whatever you want, mental health, of poor understanding of neglect, of all those things that festered that violent that 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 violence, you know? <clears throat> and so we're not just 
you can't com- c- c- compare like, oh, well, if these things can lead to positive action, then it can also lead to negative. But me learning to be kind to others or to be empathetic towards others is very different than me watching a movie. And again, not just having a negative thought or being made angry, but being made violent where I'm going to now cause violence on somebody else. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that is not an equal scale of action. It's also a different scale when you're adult than it is when you're a kid. Yeah, so I mean, are you are you arguing that people raised on that stuff could could be easier I just, led I think to you're violent action? More easily influenced when you're a kid. Yeah, but 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 again, I would say that if all you're doing is being influenced by neglect and other things that compound that violence, th- those are the factors too that we could introduce into that child's life to not cause them to turn to violence. Right? As simple things like positive sports activities of school of friendship right like those things are all going to be corrective to their violent behavior that's the that's the hope and i think if if you remove the aspects of again let's look at slender man remove the aspect of that girl's schizophrenia right that's what she that's what she's diagnosed with i would i i would be shocked if we could then link her obsession that she would be as obsessed with Slender Man and that they would then act violently on those things. I think you needed to have that that stew in order to get that violent behavior. And look at the violence caused in our society, right? From Dylan Roof to uh to the uh Batman shooter, I forgot his name in Colorado, mm-hmm. right? Like to um Sandy Hook, right? all these people are not like, man, I just love GTA (laughs) five. You know what I mean? Like that was it. I was raised on GTA five on GTA games. I mean, you even mentioned the Batman who dressed up like Joker from Batman (laughs) and shot a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. But, but again, like, like that was fueled by other things. Sure. But yeah, but, but it is, but that is, but that character is also a part of that fuel. Yeah. But, but I'm saying just like what Rob said is that because you can't just draw a direct corollary between my obsession with Batman now is causing me to shoot up this theater, right? That he would have fixated on anything. Like there's violence inherent in culture. Right. But you could say that about any single thing in the stew that made up his mental illness uh, 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 yeah but you're you're saying mental illness. as soon as we bring mental illness in th- that changes the conversation uh, okay uh, completely away motivations from- then whatever you want to call it but you could pull out an obsession with guns and say well it's not just the obsession with guns because there's millions of people who are obsessed with guns that don't go in and shoot up a theater full of people but it's it it plays a it plays a part. Yeah, but but I mean a, a part as as color or background, a part as a number of other factors that that are uncontrolled or unchecked in our society. Sure. That factor into those things. To to call that one out to me is like we're 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 getting into the forest. I'm not calling it out. I'm just saying the idea that it has no effect whatsoever negatively 
I think is ridiculous. But 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 to think that minus any to to think that minus Batman as a character would have prevented a violent action. But I'm not saying that either. I'm not saying well, it would have prevented. Well, yeah, but, prevented but I mean, but I mean, then, then what's the argument, right? The argument is that it is a factor. Yeah, but but as much as like anything would be a okay. factor. So I mean, like I mean, I again, I don't understand what the. I'm acknowledging it as a factor. I'm yeah. saying that a violent video game can play a factor in making a kid violent or making anybody well, violent. Well, see, no, that, but that's not what. There's a difference between making them violent and acting on the violence. I, and I think that's the distinction that I, I wanted to draw. I think Keith and I are really close. And I didn't articulate it as well as he did. But and maybe I'm going to go a slightly different way. But if it's not Batman and the Joker, if it's not Call of Duty, if it's, it, it's going to be something. Because that's it's not a cat necessarily a the factor that... that it's it's more the mental illness like Dylan Roof we don't know about him Morgan from from um Beware the Slenderman mm-hmm. if it wasn't Slenderman it would have been something she like it it was kind of that would it would have been Pennywise <laughs> it would have been I don't it, know. you know it would have been like like so so I yeah I, I I'm I'm in I'm in agreement with you Rob but. But what I'm saying is you so what you're advocating, though, Justin, is that is that depictions of violence can actually push somebody over. No, I'm not saying I'm just saying it's a factor. I'm saying it has an influence. A factor of what, though? Of how they behave, of how they view the world. The same thing that 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 that, you know, the, the hundreds of books that you've read that now make up your perspective of the world have a factor in how you view the world someone with unchecked mental illness that doesn't get the help that they need that doesn't have you know we can talk about like the family structure or whatever that doesn't have that stuff to help them get through it that's that's really the for me that's the factor more than the video games and and I think that if they if they lean a certain way and they're angry or they're upset and they're, or they're or they're violent, then they may be attracted to the game or they'll be attracted to something else. But I don't I don't know that it's the game that's pushing them. How like is it the same amount of a factor as the mental illness? No, of course. Justin. I mean, the mental illness is the motivating force, I guess, right? The engine. Right, because billions of people saw The Dark Knight, right? And only one of them shot up a movie theater, right? I'm just saying it is a... It, I guess where I'm coming from is that there seems to always be a lot of studies that are trying to disprove violent video that are trying to disconnect violent video games and violent behavior in kids. And it seems like from the video games industry or maybe video games journalism, they're constantly trying to sever this connection between violent video games and violent video games is a stand in for anything that is violent or profanity filled or 
you I know, think that's where I was going to go next. Yeah, it, it, weren't, or is you weren't know, kids just as violent before, overtly like, sexual or whatever? Like now we don't have fist fights in the street. You know now. I guess kids you don't watch World Star. <laughs> take it somewhere else. I'm thinking like Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn walking sure. down the street. You know, fist fights. Um, they, they weren't taking guns and knives. I guess to one another, they would just like beat each other up that way. But now it's, I don't know. Well, I, th- I think that, that yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to, to distinguish the impact of, of the, of what you're putting forward. Like you don't agree that we are born like a tabula rasa, right? Like just a blank slate. That is. I then- don't, I think it's easier to be, if you want to use the terms bad, than it is good. You think I think it's easier to be selfish than it is to be selfless. Yeah, but but I think I think I I would distinguish thought and action. I I would say I would say that it yeah. is right like like growing up, right? I would say in terms of action it's easier to be neutral than it is like violent. Okay, exactly. Okay, so there. If we just start start with that, right? Then all these, all the components for violence, anger, happiness, and all the positive are there, right? They're all there in the, in the child. So if they are six and they're playing Grand Theft Auto, I, for me, am probably going to be more concerned with the parent that's letting them do that. Yeah, absolutely. Than, than, than with the game itself. Absolutely. Like, I'm not trying to blame any of the media. Right, right. So, I mean, that, that I, but, but I think that's part of the stew of what you're saying, why people are trying to disconnect the, the, the connective tissue. Because I think, on the other side, people are trying to connect it as a way of not having conversations about more personal and sure. deeper <clears throat> issues. And so, you know, for me, again, it's like uh, Indy is being shielded from violence, depictions of violence. Because he's not mature enough to handle it, right? Mm-hmm. But not because I think that if he watches Batman kill, you know, kill somebody, he will then go out there and kill somebody. No, but it, but it could make him, you know, intrigued in being aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a part of the reason for not letting him watch it when he's at such an influential age. Just like with my girls, I let them play Street Fighter, right? The classic Street Fighter game. And what did they do as soon as they were done playing it? They wanted to fight each other, right? And they're just three and four years old. Mm-hmm. They don't know any better. But it's like, that's kind of my point. It's like... Wait, it, did it, they hurt each other? Right. No, I didn't even, well, right. I didn't even let them do it, right? But it's like, as soon you as it was over... You don't give them pillows and just let right. them fight it out? Yeah, no. <laughs> Indy loves to wrestle and... F- I mean, there, yeah. there, there is aggression there. Fake fight or Power Rangers or whatever. Like, the, these, these, though, are, are all, again, within broader forces at work in their life that have more of an impact on whether they will be violent or not than the media that they consume, the games that they play, or the books that they read, or the music they listen to. Like, all of those things are so, like, we're talking about food coloring that's changing the color of the things that are already there. We're not talking about, like, a core, you know, developmental kind of, like, like uh, substance, you know? 
we're, we're talking about things that add color to what the child is or, or their life or whatever else, you know? And so <clears throat> when you think about violence, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, for any new atheist who's like religion breeds violence, I'm like, it doesn't breed violence. Like humanity breeds violence, you know, they, they are reading into whatever, what they want, or if they're not finding in what they're reading, they're going to create their own thing. Right. That's why most cults end in violence because those people are fueled by that. You know, Mm -hmm. they're going to create the space for it. They're going to find it, you know, um, it's going to be political. It's going to be religious, but then to say like, because using your, your, your mentality, I mean, that's where you do get to Islam is the problem, you know, because it's like, because that influences people and tells them to kill themselves and that there are virgins waiting, you know, but all of his perversions, all of his perversions of, of what that religion or text but, is okay, saying. But again, I'm not labeling any one of these things as an all encompassing you can point the finger at this and say that is wrong and that's why this person is doing what they're doing. That's not what I'm saying. Right. All I'm saying is if a movie can be uplifting and make you feel better about the world, then a movie can also make you feel worse about the world. That's all I'm okay. saying. Okay. And I think you can say that, but I... I I still maintain that it doesn't have to push you over the edge. And I'm, I don't think that's no, what I'm you're not saying, saying that. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not saying that but, either. But, but then I feel like we could just, we could be having the same conversation about like, Oh, I can't stand rainy days. They make me feel so down about the day. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. It can, it can affect your feelings on the day. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I do, I don't know what, what would you propose then? You know, like I'm not, listen to suicide rate in higher in those countries that have um, in less Seattle. daylight. Yeah. I would propose that people acknowledge that violent video games can make somebody feel more violent, even yeah, if it's just a tiny bit. Not enough to make them shoot up a theater, not enough to make them go kill their best friend, but it can contribute I to would, that. I would be shocked to, for you to find somebody who actually feels that way. Even people who try and create the disconnect between violent, I think what they're speaking out against is what I'm talking about. This kind of, the reason is because this thing, you know, mm-hmm. like that's what they're speaking out against. They're not speaking out against the fact that it has no impact. It does have an impact. It does. Like, I, I agree with that, mm-hmm. but it is not to the point where it is like, we need to do something about this then. It's like, no, you need to parent your kid better. Well, right. Yeah. You need to do something in the sense that you need to be paying more attention, pay more attention to what's going on. And that's and that's what the Slenderman documentary made me think about. I mean, if the parent is to be believed, he the the, I I can't remember the girl's names. Right. But the one girl who did. Anissa. Yes. Morgan. Anissa Mm -hmm. had a completely normal, quote unquote, normal home life. She was involved with her family. She wasn't like reclusive or anything. And her dad at least had the sense that he knew everything that was going on. It's a large stretch, though. So there were there were 12 when this happened. My son is 11 right now. If if my son got obsessed with Slender Man, it's a large stretch to think that he's going to go and like and try and 
believe that Slenderman is real and that he needs to kill somebody so that he can be on Slenderman's team in the Slenderman castle. So <laughs> it's, it's really, really, really weird that that's what he glommed onto because he was paying attention to the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it, the logical leap that it takes from that is illogical. You know, it, it's crazy. Yeah. To draw that line, you know, because he, of course, he's he's paying attention to what's on the the iPad and stuff, and she's reading scary stories and and drawing um the Slender Man on the on the binders. I mean, the stuff that we saw, you know, it didn't make it seem like like that there's any way that you get from Slender Man to like because you the if they were on the site, then they should have known that it wasn't real. Well, exactly, and that's the other thing that I don't get. The site is called Creepy Pasta. Like, yes. how in the world does that like in in engender any sort of like authentic authenticity to whoever's you know what I mean? Like, like Rob, you mentioned rotten. Like, rotten's is a gross word for a gross website, right? <laughs> it's like Creepy Pasta. Is like this doesn't like make any sense to me. Like, how is a kid going to creepypasta.com and thinking anything that they read is real. Well, that, well, that's what I'm saying. Then make your documentary uh, pursuing like how that mythology spreads and it's understood amongst, amongst the kids. But again, when they do talk about it, all the kids respond kind of the same way, which is we didn't really think much of it, you know, mm-hmm. like, so th- to me, like, there's no story there. Like, th- like most kids don't go on to creepypasta and say like, yeah, this is it, man. This is this is reality, you know. Keith, when we were texting, you had mentioned something about the morality of some of these true crime document. Not was it morality? What what word did you use? The eth- yeah, just like the ethical implications. Like. Yeah, there we go. I, I think that's where we need to be now. Uh, I know Justin, you lead the thing, but is it all that's right fine. to move into that? It, because it, it this one is is really is really kind of sketchy with with what how it's showing certain things with how it's not picking up like some of the important developments you know towards the end you know with the with the mental illness and and what it what it's saying well i was intrigued by the fact that they don't talk about the victim at all they they never i mean that you don't even get like a title card at the end that's like so and so and her family did not want to, you know, be a part of this documentary. Like, th- like she gets mentioned in the fact that like she was attacked and the fact that she's alive, and that's pretty much it. You don't get any sort of follow up with her family, and maybe that speaks to the um, issue of how close close it's it taken. is. That's... But at the same time, like, Sheesh. I mean, that's that's true crime. Like, you look at uh. the staircase, right? And that documentary is taking place during his. Yeah, during the entire thing. Yeah, like they're but, they're walking hand in hand with him throughout the entire how, thing. How long when that was released from the time that they started to the time that it aired, and what was the time period that they covered in that? Yeah, but I mean, it's still being filmed yeah. at the time yeah, that but, it's but, taking place. But they allowed the time to develop to actually get a sense of the story they were telling. Yeah, these people were like, you know what? This honestly felt more like to me. It felt more like the San Bernardino 
killing where you had just basically one reporter kind of push their way into these people's apartment and then every reporter pushed their way into the apartment and they just started picking through the uh you know the terrorists belongings and it's like gross like get some freaking perspective you know on this like maybe allow the story to develop a little bit don't don't worry about being the first one with their camera in someone's face you know to get the initial comment you know Mm -hmm. and and i didn't i didn't feel that at all with these people i just felt like oh man it's slender man that's that that would get people interested and it's a court case let's just smush them together and uh and we'll we got some it's like no i think you either need to do a making the murderer type of approach where you're like hey guys we're here for 10 years you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like we got to see this thing through and wait until we have a narrative to tell. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you shouldn't do it, you know? Or maybe you should just take a different approach and not try and get into the true crime aspect of it and focus on the mythology because mm-hmm. you yeah. also have a story there too. Yeah, because the mythology is cool. It's very interesting. Um, scary as hell. Um, but there's no mystery here with the case. They, they like, they tell the detectives what happened mm-hmm. i mean i i don't know why i i don't Parents know why are heartbroken takes, and also talk very positively about their children i don't know why it takes two years from that happening with full confessions to get to the court case it's, it's strange yeah I, I don't know it just seems to me like it's kind of like the same issue we were talking about with like the rape jokes and all that stuff being subjective because i feel like because this wasn't done well we can call into question the ethics of making a documentary on this family and these kids because it's being done so closely to when it happens but like because you have something like the staircase which is arguably the greatest true crime documentary ever made you don't question it, even though it's being made hand in hand with, you know, his uh, uh, trial or whatever you want to call it. Or like, um, is it the uh, Paradise Lost, right? Where those, that first documentary is made at the same time, right? As they're going to trial right after all that stuff has happened. And the subsequent following documentaries. I think those were pretty great. Uh, the yeah. Paradise Lost stuff, um, I hold that up as, as kind of like, I think how you like you hold up the staircase um, because I like watching all three and I like watching the whole thing transpire. And, um, and and they had at the very beginning, like where they end at the end, it's Mm -hmm. like the end of part three and it's very, very different. Well, they they, they even had a thesis at the end of part one, which is we think these guys are innocent and, and slender man. It's thesis at the end is, uh, we, we probably need to start making some money <laughs> but off that's, of that's yeah that's my point though my, my my point is that it's not i that the it's it's being called into question because one is good and one is bad no no it, no it's being called into question because again going back to our rape discussion my my take on it is that it's about the context that you provide right so all i was saying was no matter what you say or do make sure that you have a good answer for why you did it you know for for again going back to paradise lost right 
at the again by the end of the first one they are saying these kids the the, the case is not as strong against these kids as was first presented mm-hmm. we need to get this out like and then they immediately followed up like part two and part th- like that that had some urgency you know the thin uh blue line Errol Morris, same same thing, right? But then you get to Slenderman. It's like Slenderman is the Tosh.0 of, this is a terrible analogy, but mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, you, you see where I'm going with it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's like- It's a cash grab. Yeah, it, it's, like, it's like their justification seems to be more about, well, timing. We didn't really have any, you know, we're waiting now for the trial and, we got, and we got this for? footage. They're not showing, you know, the the victim in a certain light. They're not showing the kids as it's just kind of like it's just letting you watch. Rob, they're, they're, they're really not saying anything. Rob watched the documentary. You didn't even, you know, realize the the uh where Slenderman came from. Like it didn't even do a good job of pre- pre- you know presenting the mythology in a clear way. It was it was just it was a, it's a jumbled documentary where they. They clearly were probably like, let's, we hope something happens and nothing happened. And instead of saying, we don't have anything, let's stick with the story. They said, publish what we got, edit it, throw it out there. HBO wants it. When Keith brought up the ethics question, I didn't go to this one immediately. I went to the making a murderer with the, with the Brendan, what's Mm -hmm. it? Brendan Dassey stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's, he was going to get out and then he wasn't going to get out and then he was, and then he wasn't. I just, I don't, I don't know how I feel about judges being influenced by TV shows. That's where, that's where my brain went when, it, when we started talking about the ethics of this stuff, because that's the stuff gets more and more popular after serial and this. And what was the, the, jinx. Uh, the other HBO one, the jinx. Yeah. Yeah. And the jinx Which is, is insane. Extra yeah. interesting because they were holding on to footage of a confessed murder <laughs> for terrible. a series finale. <laughs> yes, that <is> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's problematic. But, the... <laughs> but a great then... finale. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> yeah. worth Definitely it. Definitely <laughs> justifies the uh, finale aspect. <laughs> but what if he what if he hurt someone else? Yeah. A good question. Blood's on their hand. And HBO just went with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, their what they their the official line was something that like they didn't actually find the audio until after yes. months of yeah, yeah they, because they gave it like was that, yeah. at the end of the because it was being recorded when he's in the bathroom and um they didn't check it because they knew he was in the bathroom or something like that but then they remember but you know that's the first thing you right. freaking check then is they remember he went in there with his that mic they on. left it on before and he had mumbled in the bathroom or something but yeah the official line was that they actually didn't even find the audio until like right before the finale anyways something like so that so they didn't have it until week 7 right I, I call it full yeah yeah it doesn't seem very plausible